1: dokie, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and I'm so glad to be here. You know, na- nationwide, this kind of program is unique. having locally produced programs, meeting the needs of local folks, not always the folks who are necessarily going to be big buck donors, but real people out there, and you're part of this MPB program. What's up, Java, How are you this morning?
2: Man, I'm doing good. Just I, I honestly, today hit me with the Thanksgiving holiday approaching. So, you know, I guess I got into a, a sort of festive mood, or maybe it's just a weekend. I don't know.
1: Well, let me ask you this you said that, uh, that, that you and yours happened to drive by my garden the other day. Now, yep. it, it's not, it takes some interpretation.
2: Well, no, and, and I had to think about it. We actually, um, we were driving because we saw um, the new state flag yeah. flying somewhere. It's and, everywhere now. And yeah. then I, I said, oh, Felder has one flying around his yard. So I said, let's go and, you know, drive by. Maybe you had your truck out there. But um, you, I guess you were gone, but we just, we did do a drive-by. And uh and Crystal finally got, a, got to see your humble abode.
1: So <laughs> so now we've been out. Outed, right <laughs> hey, did, did you see my flag? I did see your flag did you notice that it's that it 's on a telephone pole that I painted camouflage?
2: Well, I knew it was high <laughs> and it was flying and it was flying proudly <laughs>
1: well i my, my front garden uh, let me, folks by the way i 'm horticulturist, fell to rushing, and I know the rules, but when I get home i don 't want to do all that stuff. I just want to knock around the yard there 's a difference between horticulture, which is which is goal-oriented, product-oriented, quality-oriented, efficiency-oriented. Horticulture is a science of producing things. Gardening is the journey itself. It's process, not product. And product is nice, don't get me wrong. You know, if you didn't have some kind of beauty or fragrance or enjoy the wildflowers or vegetables and, you know, things like that, you know, it would just be, you know, mowing the grass just for mowing his grass sake. Well, at least it makes you feel like you've got a grip. So um, there's some product but gardening is more process. And uh, my process inv- involves growing a lot of native plants, a lot of wildflowers along the street, because that's my, a lot of folks don't understand, that's the sunny area of my garden. It's a steep slope. Uh, it faces the south, and I put a fence up. And if you get inside my garden and look back out, you see that my garden is laid out from the from the house, looking towards the street. So when my people drive by, they're seeing the back of on what's on the other side of the back of my fence, which happens to be where I can grow my wildflowers and native plants and a few vegetables and some flowers and stuff. But uh, it looks kind of raggedy. But it,
2: one thing, one funny thing though, Felder, when well, we were driving, I just turned on the street. I didn't tell her which. How house was your house Uh and she said oh yeah that's Felder's house
1: (laughs) (laughs) just trying to have some fun hey I've got some some fun things I want to talk about today Uh, an heirloom plant has been around for a long time a a cool little little native plant and uh, also the the mildest and the hottest peppers On Earth. Uh, We're going to talk about those in a little bit. But it's a call in program, so you don't want to give us a call. It's toll free, 1 877 MPB Ring. We're going to start in Jackson, talking with Bert. Good morning, Bert. Thanks for calling, man.
2: Good morning. Uh, I need
3: to ask about when to pull my tomatoes.
1: Uh, Well, this
3: this is the second planting of them. I've got them from about strawberry size to about uh,
0: apricot size.
1: Well, uh, there's a couple of things. A, a couple of things. The longer you leave a tomato on the vine, the sweeter, the more nutrients, the more stuff is going to have in it. The earlier you pick it, you know, as soon as you pick it, it stops. And uh, if a, a tomato is starting to show just a little pink color, just a little bit of pink, it will go ahead and soften and turn red. It won't get any sweeter or riper. It just is a slow decay. So uh, if you want it to turn red, wait till they get to little, that pink stage. Uh, but if you can't. Can't wait that long. Chop them up and you know fry. You know you can chop green tomatoes up and use them as the main source of liquid in hush puppies, and they'll float and turn themselves over when it's time.
3: Okay. Well, what will the frost? We haven't really had a frost yet, but no. I just if that's going to. If it, I could get past
1: it. Yeah, a, a frost is usually not a big deal, especially if you're in town, because it, you know the frost is at the airport. You know, in town, the, let's say it says it's going to be thirty-three degrees tonight which you want in Jackson in my little town it's going to be 37 38 because of all the radiated heat from the from the buildings and the soil and all like that so if you can get them past a frost or two if they're really good just throw a, a, a trash bag over them just overnight and a lot of times we'll get past that first frost
0: okay
3: so I could wait a little longer I've got yeah. ride. Wait,
1: okay well that's wait 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 as long as you can
3: okay
1: thanks appreciate your call thank you one eight seven seven 877 mpb ring. Let's go over to Meridian and talk to Angela. How are you, Angela? Angelia.
4: I'm Angela. Angela. Howdy. Yeah, I'm well. Thank you.
1: Yeah.
4: Hi. Okay, okay, so I started a project last weekend. I had my husband uh, and my son yank out a bunch of bushes that were growing in the front of our house, mm-hmm. blocking windows, et cetera. Yeah. And so my vision... <laughs> is I want to have dwarf Alberta spruce. I want three of them, like, at certain foundation points.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and so I've been doing my research, and no. so my bed no. is about five feet wide. But the ones I've found can get up to eight feet wide. If they which, live, you know.
1: if they survive.
4: Okay. Well, so my the front of my house is in shade all morning. In dappled sunlight all afternoon because there's a magnolia, a pine, and an oak that blocks the sun, mm-hmm. and then it gets direct sun in the early evening. Like you know, so it's like really soft sun. And so I was just wondering, is it you know?
1: Okay, a, a couple would of things. Be okay, there. A couple of things. First of all, I'm not trying to be negative because I celebrate people <laughs> trying new things, but the word Alberta and the Alberta spruce should give you a clue. I know. Okay, well, the, I know, I know. I, I'm the first person to admit that every time I say that won't work, somebody calls up and says he's an idiot. I've been doing it for a long time, but in general, the spruces don't do well in this part of the South because of a heavy rainfall, our mild winter. They really need a cold winter, in which we don't have. And what happens is, is it gets cold and it warms up for two weeks and that really confuses these northern plants that need to be hunkered down and you know below zero covered with snow it'll do okay up in the mountains but here the really mild up and down winter and the heavy rains tend to cause problems so if you want to give it a try make sure you really work this the soil up well plant it up high like on a mound so it doesn't stay Mm. too wet they'll tolerate drought they won't tolerate wet feet, so, so raise them up a little bit, and they're really going to do best with sun. There are some alternatives that look like Alberta spruces.
4: Okay, well, that's what I was going to ask you. Was there, is there something else I could try?
1: Yes, yes. There's a little okay. plant, this plant called Japanese false cypress. And we're not going to get in a lot of detail here on the air because it's too. Right. But let's just say there are some some that that have that effect, the little conifer type things, uh, that and they come in gold, they come in blues, they come in greens. There's mm. variegated ones, uh, but they'll tolerate the heat and the mild winters a lot better than the spruces will. Okay. So no. I, I, now, now, I got to say this: I got a friend <laughs> who's growing a spruce. And it's a good size one, six, seven, eight years old. It's not going to last a whole lot longer, but it's been fantastic. But she grows in a great big pot. In a pot okay. because of the drainage.
4: So, is there? I've been trying to Google this, and I haven't had much luck. Is there a tree nursery in Mississippi that just sells trees that I could go to? Um
1: no, no the garden, <laughs> okay. you no, know, no, but no, there's not because those those are wholesale places. And uh, okay. so now there are the local garden centers can get a lot of plants if you ask them to order them from you, for you. And right. if they don't want to, it's because they don't want to, not because <laughs> they can't. So there are some really, really good nurseries. There's one wholesale nursery down in Fairhope, Alabama, that produces the most incredible, unusual plants. Local garden centers can order them. And they, they, and they knew if just say, green order, order me one from Greens, he'll know what you're talking about. Okay. But anyway, that's a start. That's a good start. Shoot me an email. Okay, I will. Good luck on it.
4: Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Uh, we have a lot of plants that are really popular that, you know, and if you don't mind them lasting not that long, you know, they're great short-term things. A six-pack of beer is not a long-term investment, but we still spend money on it. So, But I'm just saying that some plants just don't like it here. Um, but give it a try. Anyway, let's uh, slide up to... Um, Tupelo and talk to Kathleen. Hi, Kathleen. Hi, good morning. Hello.
5: My question is, last weekend I was cleaning out my pots from the summer and I have a sweet potato vine that I had in four different pots and they spread like crazy this oh, summer and I just oh yeah. let them go. And, don't, so and was,
1: don't they leave a big hole when they have to pull them up?
5: Yeah, they, they're I, I just let them go wild. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's got really long. My, when I pulled them up There were several potatoes, big, the size of my hand, Mm -hmm. and are they edible?
1: Yeah, they're sweet potatoes.
5: Okay. I just, you know, I thought, well, I've never, they've never done that before, so. Well,
1: no, you just really hadn't noticed that much, or else you fertilize them and water them or something like that. Sweet potatoes produce best in really poor, mean, horrible, just plain old dirt, dirt, and if they get fertilizer and water and stuff, they just make vines. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, the ornaments, the, the the ones we buy at stores have actually been selected out or bred from from the scraggly things like you, and the ones you dug up they're not that pretty, but they are edible.
5: Okay, yeah. No, they're not very pretty. They don't look like a regular sweet potato. That's
1: why I was wondering. Yeah. Now see, the, the The truth is the regular sweet potatoes don't look like sweet potatoes. They've been bred to be uniform and that point, nice little oh. sweet potato shape and all like that. That's that's horticultural oddity. But the wild <laughs> ones, you see, and, and where they're native, you know, they, they there's all different kinds. Um, wouldn't mention this. The the roots of sweet potatoes, I just dug some of mine, uh, some of my regular sweet potatoes. I'm going to dig up my ornamental ones maybe this week maybe next week but you need to to to, to take the roots and store them in a kind of a warm dry place maybe indoors out of the way and let them store for a week or so and what happens is the carbohydrates in them turn to sugars they sweeten up oh. and uh, don't wash them you know just 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 cut them off shake the dirt off put them in a dry place and uh, after a week or so they'll have healed up and they sweeten up
5: Oh my gosh,
1: thank you. All right, have fun with it. Thanks so much. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Sweet potatoes. You know, I've got to talk about a couple of plants, but um one in particular I want to talk about is an heirloom. is a type of lantana. Everybody knows old-fashioned lantana. Well, there's one that's called, is a trailing lantana. It's got a weird name, lantana Montevidensis. Montevidensis. It's a cascading, flowing, uh, ground cover, floppy type thing. And I grow it in pots. I grow it down along the front of the street. They typically are going to be sort of a lavender pink with a little white throat. Um, they're terrific plants. They're much, much harder than the big bushes. So if you like butterfly plants and don't want a great big bush, this one's uh, called trailing lantana. It's an old heirloom, real easy to grow, super hardy, even up in the Tennessee. It'll take any kind of cold. Uh, that's my heirloom plant of the week, lantana montevidensis, or the trailing lantana. We're going to take a real quick break. I'm horticulturist to Rushing. Me and Java Chapman, Kevin Farrell, we're going to take a break and come right back.
3: Hey, this is Malcolm White. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week we talk with visual artists, musicians, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. or listen anytime by subscribing
2: to the show through your favorite podcast app. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor from fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app.
1: you folks. Welcome back. Horticulturist fell to rushing. Um, my native plant of the week is I was just torn between two, two that I really admire this time of year. one, is poison ivy. Believe it or not, poison ivy. I know you don't like it. I know it grows everywhere. I know I'm really allergic to it. I have to take steroids. I mean, I'm ever since I was a boy scout, I've always been allergic to poison ivy. But isn't it beautiful, gorgeous the time of year? look like flames licking up the trees. It's a terrific, beautiful fall color, and it supports a lot of wildlife, believe it or not. But between poison ivy and sumac, which is not poison, uh, we have some beautiful fall colors. But this, the one I want to feature, is plain old ordinary eastern red cedar. Juniperus virginiana. It's a native tree. It's evergreen. They grow fast. They're nice little teardrop, dark green. They're indestructible. They grow in any kind of dirt except wet dirt, and uh, it's just a good backbone plant. I wish more people, more garden centers, sold them, but they're boring to a lot of people. What old seat, Grandma's? Yeah, Grandma had it because it worked, and she had some concrete toadstools under it, and um, they had some nandina off to one side. Had uh, some. Uh, just, it's a terrific backbone plant for the deep south. And it's a good screen, good windbreak, and birds love to nest in it. Anyway, plain old Eastern Red Cedar, Virgin, uh, Juniperus virginiana. Terrific native plant. I wish more garden centers sold it. Um, now let's slide up to Meridian and talk with Aaron. Hey, Aaron, good morning, sir.
3: Good morning, Felter. How are you doing this morning? So buddy? far,
1: so good. What's up?
3: All right, so a friend of mine, we we're, uh, were having a discussion the other day and uh, we're talking about leaves, using leaves in the garden uh-huh. uh, as as compost. All right, what I do with them, uh, I rake them up. I know it's a little bit labor intensive, but I rake them up, put them in a big bin, and use my weed eater and shred them up into little pieces, and then I compost them. For yeah. them. Um, he takes his and puts it directly in the garden. Um, he's been doing it for several years. Now you can go to his garden and brush the leaves back in there. Earthworms, you know, everywhere. Yeah. Um, but if it's your garden, would you recommend? composting them for a year or just putting them just piling them
1: up straight in the garden area well piling them straight in the garden is composting okay i mean it it just it's just cutting to the chase uh it's not as easy you know you can only work so many leaves into your into your garden at a time but you can compost a whole bunch of them in a comp all the compost is is a leaf pile what he's doing is called sheet composting spreading it out like sheet cake Okay. And it's a little bit slower. What happens in sheet composting is at night the worms come up, they nibble on the leaves, they take them down, and you know they they come up at night and eat it and take it down around around plant roots and deep into the dirt. So they're right. they're they're doing it slowly, but that's what they do, and it feeds them and it feeds the soil. Okay. What you're doing is you pile them up, and it's mostly bacteria, beneficial bacteria and fungi at first that break them down. And then okay. if you get worms, they come in, they eat the smaller bits. And so mm-hmm. that what you're doing is faster if you want to move it someplace. What he's doing okay. is he's putting it where he wants to go to begin with.
3: Okay, okay. All right, so potato, potato is mainly just. Sheet she,
1: composting versus pile composting and, uh, you know, moving stuff around. A- another thing, it would it would help both of y'all if you would go to a, a garden center, a co-op someplace, and get a little bit of cotton seed meal. Okay. It's a natural right. source of nitrogen. Uh, even organic gardening uh, recommends it because the stuff that they spray in cotton fields doesn't transfer into the seed. I'm not going to get into that. But if you'll have some cotton seed meal, just a little bit. And every foot or so deep, just put a light sprinkling, just, just dust some over there. That provides the nitrogen that bacteria use to build their bodies, and they're the real composters. So you're feeding the bacteria, and they work faster.
3: Okay. Would you do that now at this
1: time? In in, 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 for any time. Any time. Okay. But but right. what that does that provides nitrogen that the that the uh, bacteria need, but it also provides protein for worms. And you'll oh. have you know. So what y'all need to do is get in a race to see who got the biggest worm. Okay. You know, it's <laughs> a guy. Seven. It's a it's a guy thing. It sounds kind of weird, but cottonseed meal is the secret to big fat worms.
3: All right. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it.
1: Good luck. Li- hey, why not do I'm... little of both? Little of both. Okay.
3: Okay, I'll do a little bit of both then. Okay. I appreciate it, fellas. <laughs> you bet.
1: Right. Okay. Now, down to Hazelhurst, Central Mississippi. Hi, Cecile. Good morning. Hello. What's up? Um, first, I wanted to tell you, when you were
5: talking about your garden yard earlier, when um, my mother was alive, mm-hmm. she was for me to drive her down your street
1: so she could <laughs> up look at your yard. You know, and, and, and I, I hope she knows she was looking at it backwards at the back of my fence. She didn't
5: care. Okay. She wanted to see it. Okay, I have a, a question about my winter honeysuckle. She mm-hmm. planted it many, many years ago, so it's really old. And it bloomed and grew and looked great until a few years ago and it started dying back. So I'd cut that dead out.
1: Yeah, you, you said bush honeysuckle, right?
5: The winter bush. Yeah, the somewhere.
1: one that blooms yeah. in went right.
5: Right. It blooms in December. It, And after I cut out the dead, it would bloom on that older growth, and you know, then it would grow some more on where I had cut the dead back. Uh-huh. But in August, it'd start dying again, because it... Um, August, September, it starts dying. So what's wrong with it? What do I need to do? Because I really want to save this. You know,
1: all all I can do right now is just guess because it is a durable shrub. It's a... Tough, tough old shrub. They're not the prettiest plants, you know that. Why? But it's a good, durable shrub. I it's, love that scent, though. Oh yeah, in the middle of the winter time, you know, and when there's nothing else out there, and all of a sudden you have this fragrance. and look around, and the flowers are not showing. They're small and white, but there's what? lots of them. It's it's kind of a scraggly bush. It's a terrific winter blooming. Good for pollen You know, bees are out on warm days in the winter right. time, so it's a it's a great plant, but. I would suspect, and if I, this is just an educated guess, that maybe part of the year is staying a little too wet or it's gotten some root damage for some reason, um, and it puts out growth when the growing is easy, it throws out a bunch of growth, and then all of a sudden it hits that wall where it needs a good root system because it's getting dry and hot and the roots aren't there, so it starts dying back. It's trying to trying to balance itself, so try this. Uh, you know, first first of all, just try to see if it's really really wet. You might want to to, you know, they they send up little suckers. You might want to start you some small ones in another area as backup plants. Okay. Okay. Just think about this. Sometime in the wintertime, if you got some that are a little bit further out from the bush, cut them back to about a foot or two tall. Move them to another spot, and they'll branch out next spring and, and take it from there. So that's your backup. Um, and also, after it gets through blooming, this this instead of just cutting the dead stuff out, cut it way back. This is called rejuvenation, and it can save an old shrub by taking the stress off the roots. And it stimulates strong new growth. You, you know, just like, well, you've seen people cut big shrubs down to nothing and it come back out. Right. This will do it, too. And so that what that will do is it will give the roots chance to sort of catch your second wind, and the new growth will balance itself better with what the root systems are. So you can cut it back to knee high if you want to, waist high, however you want, not straight across in kind of a snow cone shape, uh, and it will branch out next year just fine.
5: Okay, so that's what I'm, I guess I'm doing wrong because mother would um, cut it back. Okay. Right, so but that'll...
1: but 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 she was doing that on a plant that was on the young side. It's getting old and woody, and those roots need a break. So, again, it's called rejuvenation. Cut it back in the wintertime, and as soon as you get done, see if there's some little ones around the base of it you can dig up and move. It'll be easier to move them then.
5: Okay. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate okay, it. Okay, good and luck thanks. on it. Well, and
1: I, 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 I wish Mom was still around there. She'd come by, and even I'd take my mask off and still hug her old neck. <laughs> oh,
5: she would love that. Okay. <laughs> she would love that. Well, okay, th- thank you. I appreciate this, you and bet. I enjoyed the program. Well,
1: thanks for being part of it. And uh, uh, By the way, Java, this past, uh, the other day, I I got bit hard by a scorpion in my in my kitchen.
2: Oh well, what how how the what, what
1: you know. A scorpion pepper uh man, see, come on now, Felder. <laughs> I got this little pepper. friend of mine named Jesse Yancey, who's a gorilla gardener, he gardens on land that's not even his. But, you know, I grow a little bell peppers. See my little big green bell pepper? There's not any heat at all. Bell peppers have no heat at all. And I grow these little jalapenos, about the size of my, my thumb, bigger than my thumb. And on a scale of one to 10, with one being the mildest and 10 being the hottest, normal peppers. This is about a three. So if you think about jalapenos are hot, they're three on a scale of one to ten. And I've got these little bird's eye peppers. They're little, almost tiny, little round things, not much bigger than a pea. A little, they're called poppers. These little babies. Are like Serrano's and some of the chili hot peppers, Tabasco. On a scale of 1 to 10, they're 7 or 8, and they will light you up.
2: <laughs> That's why I don't touch them.
1: Yeah, you take one of these and pop it in your mouth, take a bite, and it'll, it'll, it'll light you up. But after 10 minutes or so, the heat is completely gone, but it stimulates your digestive system. It gets you sweating, which cools you off, and then your body gives off these wonderful little feel-good things called endorphins. So sort of like a little a real hot buzz. Nice little flavor, and like a little rush, yeah. And but then it's that little calm, woohoo type of feeling. <laughs> so you know, there's when you're when you're old guy like me, you got to get them where you can find it, and I grow it myself in the garden. But these things, um, they're they sort of like habaneros. You've heard of habaneros. Well, on a scale of one to ten, they're twenty-five. The scale, you know, the normal. Average human taste scale can't tell past about a 10. These are 25. Well, this one I have is called the the uh, Trinidad Scorpion. On a scale of 1 to 10, it's 1.2 million.
2: Now, tell me you haven't eaten one of those before. I, ate, I took uh, three little slivers off
1: one. that I'm, I, I like to cook Indian cuisine, uh, curries and things. I took a, uh, three tiny little slices, about the size of a big toenail clipping, Okay, to, to get a little, a little graphic, a little visual there. Yeah. And I cooked them in a little oil, and immediately the oil just came up and it made my eyes just go, go like crazy. Cooked a little oil and mixed it in with a big pot of curry, and it ran me. I, whew, it was great. Good flavor, kind of sweet flavor uh interesting flavor but you got to get past that heat and the the trinidad scorpion which is second only to the one that's called carolina reaper which Guinness book of world record is the hottest pepper on earth uh there's not much difference between the carolina reaper and the trinidad scorpion so anyway whoo i got me a bell pepper i got me a jalapeno i got my little uh, chili and my little piquin peppers and i got this trinidad uh, um, scorpion
2: so we're gonna we're gonna cut a little slice and watch you uh eat it on instagram or something i I will if you will no (laughs) because i will not
1: (laughs) well i'm I'm a chili after way back and some people get into all this but uh the truth is these hot hot peppers they do have a good flavor habaneros have a good flavor but you do have to get past that heat one way to do that is to saute them before you you cook with them That gets rid of some of the heat But not the flavor That's what I do Is saute mine a little bit Anyway I'm Horticulture's Fellow Rushing Java Chapman in there Pushing the buttons and stuff They put tape And don't touch signs All over this place Where I am Kevin Farrell Who is uh, another uh, producer here and uh, the the uh, a big wig producer. we're all putting this thing together for you folks, and you're welcome to join us, take advantage of it. not gonna sell you anything. We're gonna take a little break with some seasonal music, some seasonal music and come back with your phone calls. The lines are wide open folks. I really enjoy getting dirty with y'all, but give us a call. We'll be right back.
6: Gobble, gobble, gobble that turkey gobbles. Gobble, gobble, gobble that turkey gobbles. Gobble, gobble, gobble that turkey gobbles. Coming to my house tonight. Gobble, gobble, gobble that turkey gobbles. Gobble, gobble, gobble that turkey gobbles. Gobble, gobble. gobble, gobble
1: Okey-dokey. Folks, welcome back. Horticulture's Felder Ruskin. Hope y'all have a safe holiday next week. And if you if you wanna to get together with family and stuff like that, be careful. You know, Granny is susceptible to the Rona so just be careful folks don't be don't be crazy uh also i'm going to post pictures i'm have java is going to post pictures of these peppers my little birds eye pepper the uh the the scorpion pepper the jalapeno my green pepper and this antique lantana on our podcast so uh, if you want to check it out later just go to mpb online and click on radio and the podcast and it will have pictures of these right there on our podcast and uh Tell other folks about it, too. Um, Let's go over to Alabama. Where in Alabama? Fairhope, down in Fairhope. Hey, Cynthia, good morning.
0: Hey, Felder. Please help me save my hibiscus syriacus.
1: Oh, boy. What did you do?
0: They're in New Orleans. They're not in Fairhope. But um, I've had them for... Probably fifteen years or more. Mm-hmm. They are gorgeous. They're in a south-facing bed in front of my uh, concrete porch. Yeah. in in small beds, and they they're showstoppers. They yeah. have been uh, always every year this time of year. The leaves get all scraggly, and they're attacked by probably scale. And I pull all the leaves off and spray them with oil. But this year they 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 didn't bloom very well, and the the uh, the trunk parts and the, the the twigs are black. They've got. I, I've talked to you before about um, lichens. They've got lichens on them, so I know yeah. the soil needs help. But uh, they, no matter how fast I pull off the bad leaves, the mealy bugs get the fresh, fresh yeah. growth. They're yeah. just being attacked from all sides, and and it's breaking my heart because they're big, soft, you know, periwinkle blue gorgeous,
1: yeah, really yeah. special. Yeah, and, and and by the way, folks who who may not be, Hibiscus syriacus, a lot of people call them Altheas or Rose of Sharon. That's that,
0: correct. Okay. and These plants these will grow, really look, oh, these look a lot more like traditional hibiscus with the big blooms, because Altheas tend to be smaller flowers. Well, They're big saucery blooms.
1: Yeah, but I mean, the, but the althea has come. The, they, there's there's a whole bunch of them. There's some that they, they have what I call the goddess series, like Diana and and uh, Minerva, that have a lot bigger, more flowers. They don't set seed. So there's a lot of hybrids out there. A lot of old fashioned. One of my favorites called Bluebird, and it's that's just a, it. you got Bluebird.
0: That, I think that's what they
1: are. Yeah, and it, it's one. It's a single flower, and it wants to be blue. It actually it is blue. Except in New Orleans or Fairhope, it's not going to look blue because of the angle of the sun. You go up in New England or Canada or Great Britain, where the sun is a different angle, they are just as bright blue as you can. I mean, you can't imagine what a nice, clear blue it is. But the colors wash out in the sunshine along the Gulf Gulf Coast. It turns blues a little bit more muddy lavender. So anyway, here's the deal with these plants. They are incredibly drought-tolerant. And if they stay wet a little bit too long, they're gonna get root damage that's gonna cause them to be weak. And not and that's the lichens are telling me it's got root problems. Lichens are a symptom of a plant that's growing poorly. And uh, and also the insects and and things like that are more likely to multiply and to, to damage a plant that's weak. So, a couple of things I'd recommend. One is it's gonna break your heart to do this, but let's try to save the plant. At least do you you've got two, right? two yep okay let's do one and just see if i'm right i bet i will be but but see sometime this winter before next spring cut one of them back really hard waist high it's not going to hurt the plant it's not going to hurt you can prune with a pickup truck and they'll come right back out but what this will do this will take all the immediate stress off the plant it'll balance the top with the roots and in the spring when the new growth comes out it's going to be Pushed, it's going to be powered up. It's going to really, really jump compared to the other one because it got more roots than top. And it'll grow and it'll bloom fine. And then if you have problems with insects, um, you're going to have to use an insecticide. You might want to try neem, which is natural. Um, I've
0: been using that, like mad. Yeah, there's, there's
1: there's no control for insects. Insects, we do what's called abatement. We just get them down as best we can. Uh, and neem, if neem's not going to work, you might need to step it up to a little bit strong one. Then there's a natural material called pyrethrin, made from chrysanthemums. It's a little bit stronger, still natural, but it does a little bit, it, it's, a little bit more powerful against insects.
0: I used spinosad as well.
1: Well, the neem
0: wasn't working very well.
1: Yeah, but 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 that's yeah. let's let's stick with stuff that we we know can control a wider spectrum, and uh, that would be uh, the pyrethrin okay. if you got well, to. But pruning the back is going. You know, we need to get the plant sturdy and healthy and stocky and strong first, then start treating its problems.
0: Well, I sh- I've got to say these are not shrubs these are trees i know so if I, know. I cut them waist high it's just going to be one one stump, it's
1: just it, it'll, be a stump. It'll, it'll sprout out and those sprout will cut it cut it to two feet let it sprout out and those sprouts will become tr new, new new uh, uh limbs oh, wherever okay. you cut it the new growth is going to come out there two or three or four and those will become the new limb this is this is routine with horticulturists they're cutting oh. plants but it's called rejuvenation pruning and it's been done for centuries. Have you ever seen somebody cut a crepe myrtle way, way back, and it sprouts back out? Yes. Same thing. Yeah. Not, or, or a rose bush. A big, overgrown rose bush, you cut it down, sprouts back out. Think of it being like a, a big, overgrown rose bush, and every few years, you got to rejuvenate it.
0: Okay. Yeah. And, and I'm sure I should rejuvenate the soil as well, like amend the soil. It because it's, well, you you could,
1: you could do use. that by feeding worms. If you'll put some sh- some chopped up shredded leaves or some compost manure on top of the ground, cover it with some mulch, feed the worms, then they will come up and eat the stuff and they'll grow good. They, they will make nice holes down deep for water and air and roots to grow into. Feed your worms and they'll grow better dirt for you than what you can do with a shovel. Okay.
0: Okay. Good luck. And.
1: Thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, that's a, this is what I would do if it was happening in my yard. That's what I would right. do. And I'm not okay. hard-hearted, but horticulturally, whap, it's gone.
0: Right. Okay. <laughs> Good luck oh, on. Thank you. All righty.
1: Okay, bye. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. How are we going to stay in, um, let me see, Ocean Springs down the Gulf Coast. Hi, Samantha. Thanks for calling
7: hi felder i have a question about my satsuma Mm -hmm. it is very 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 unhappy um it's i bought it probably four years ago it was four or five feet tall planted it in the ground did all of the uh, standard tree prep giant hole good soil built a mound did everything i could to make it happy Um, and it it got broken off uh about Uh, probably three years ago to where it was about two feet tall Uh and it just won't grow it has literally done nothing i think it has the same exact leaves on it that it had when it got broken off
1: well, they, they not, don't last long. The leaves are stay on about a year, but they, they get replaced. But, you know, there's, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's so many different things that, you know, if it's not growing at all, that's going to be a root or a trunk problem, one or the other. And it could be when it got blown over, it got yanked over to one side, which tore the roots on one side and bent the other ones back like you're trying to bring bend your finger back towards your wrist. And so the roots on one side are torn, the other side, they're, they were buckled. And this can stun a plant. Uh, this this often suns the plant. Not not much I can recommend practically other than a little fertilizer and a little pruning. Pruning does two things. It 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 takes some of the stress off the plant, but it also stimulates new growth. It'll stimulate new growth. Okay. You know, it releases hormones that cause things to bush out that normally won't bush out. So even though it's small, uh, sometime over the winter time. I mean, wait and see if it blooms. It might do something next year, but if you don't want to prune it way back, thin out some of the some of the, the the limbs and some of the branches. So you know, you take as much as a fourth or a third of the total total plant off. But you could thin it out and okay. then tip prune the ends of what's left, and that might be all it takes.
7: We had thought about digging it up and putting it in a pot just to see if fresh soil and a new start would. Get it to where
1: it wanted to be happy again. Well, why not, why not just dig it up and put it in a new hole, or dig it up, rework the the dirt right there, and put it back in there instead of putting it okay. in a pot? Because you put it in a pot, you can have to water it, and you know, <laughs> it, you know, it, you know. So if you were to to dig it up, but but prune it, thin thin out some of the branches and limbs, cut back what's left a little bit, dig it up, rework the soil, replant it, and see what happens. Okay. Thank you so much. Hey, if it doesn't work, get you another one. It's a tree. You bet. <laughs> Come on, it's not like an old cat you're stuck with. <laughs> I got plenty of those. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> Good luck on it. Bye bye. All righty, folks. I would like to mention this about Thanksgiving. It was just coming up next week, which is our our, our traditional uh, feast type of thing. The four hundred years next year. This is it was. It, it, we're in the 399th year. Since the original Thanksgiving, uh, reason I want to mention that because there's a whole lot of things that that we take for granted about Thanksgiving wasn't true. They didn't have all this stuff. The early uh, 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 the the British settlers, the Native Americans, you know, they had to make do with what they had. You know, they had game birds and smoked fish and shellfish and venison. Um, and some of the game birds might have been turkeys, but they were definitely you know just wild birds. Uh, native beans and squash. They had a lot. Of the autumn uh, fresh or the dried fruits and nuts like um, walnuts and chestnuts and cranberries, uh, but the closest they came to, to 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 dressing was they made a thick mush out of cornmeal. They grew this stuff called Flint corn. And grind up, they made a, a mush. It probably sweetened with molasses because the Native Americans had, for centuries, had already been making syrup and molasses out of the sap from maple trees, which they do in the springtime when the sap is sweet. Uh, they might have had that, but they didn't have potatoes, no sweet cranberry sauce, no cornbread dressing. They didn't have pies because they didn't have any butter or wheat to make pastry cr- crust, and they didn't have any sugar. Anyway, it makes you glad that we've come a long ways right now. We have five southern things, southern things that are traditional this time of year, and they come into harvest this time of year, which which, which we use as the make-do. Native pecans, native persimmons, sweet potatoes, ham, and either sorghum or sugarcane molasses. Not even going to mention squirrels or possums, but uh, we've come a long way to making do and uh, a lot of traditions there. Anyway, hope you all have a a satisfying meal next week. Let's go to uh, Biloxi and talk with Greg. Hey, Greg, thanks for holding, man.
3: Yeah, thank you. My pleasure. What's up? Uh, I've got a a couple of questions. Um, You know, we just had a bad storm come through here, Mm -hmm. and um, there was such... An enormous wind, nearly. I was told it was about a hundred mile an hour wind, um, and everything is just, uh, for lack of a better word, scorched. All of the yeah. plants are, are traumatized, and leaves are all brown on everything.
1: Yeah. How close are I, you to the to the to the beach? About a hundred
3: feet. Yeah.
1: So, so you also have salt spray, salt spray yeah. b- blowing it real, 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 real fast. So right. I, I get that.
3: So. Uh, uh, I went and got some AAA fertilizer. fertilized, just a lot of low-grade you know, low fertilizer and uh, broadcast over most of the yard just thinking that it was in some sort of you know, stress or distress. And typically, when this happens down here, we'll have a, a bloom that comes before the winter
5: right.
3: uh, like they got pruned. Right. You know? So I was trying to support that. I was wanting to know, uh, that. my first question is, was that a mistake or a good idea? And then I have a second question about a, a pecan tree.
1: Do you want me to ask it now? No, let, let's do this first one. It's, it's not, it's, you know, there's good ideas that are actually bad practices. And, and I have a hard time telling sometimes the difference between a good-bad idea and a bad-good idea. Well, this yeah. was a not-so-great good idea. Okay. And here's his reason. Uh, first of all, that the, when when plants bloom in the fall, they normally bloom in the spring, the wisteria, the azaleas, uh, uh, the native, the, the the wild pears and stuff. That's because of hormone that's being produced called traumatin. When plants get beat up really, really bad, they produce this sort of their version of adrenaline, traumatin, and it mm. kicks them into trying to reproduce themselves. So that's why we always the you know, same thing with switching your okra. You know, that traumatizes the plants. They put out more, more, more flowers. So that's all that is. That's some stored up stuff. Uh, But really, it's it's best to fertilize plants at the beginning of the growing season. That's springtime for most landscape trees and shrubs and flowers and stuff. A few things grow in the wintertime, like bulbs. But it's best to fertilize in the spring when they really start to to use stuff, rather than this time of year, which could kick them into some late-season growth that might make them too tender to make it through the wintertime. you You don't have to deal with that on the coast too much, but better to fertilize sometime in the spring. Uh, Now, one last thing because
3: of the stress that was put on them, so more water, maybe. No,
1: no, they'll they'll do fine. I mean, you know, I you know, I remember Hurricane Camille. Okay, I went down on the coast right before Camille. You know, and this Mm -hmm. always happens, and everybody always just you know wrings their hands, and the plants always do fine. They'll okay. do fine. The new growth will come out fine. It's too late this year for new growth. They're not going to green up. But next year, the bad-looking stuff will shed as the new growth comes on, and they'll be fine.
3: Is that all the same for the lawn and the grass?
1: Well, sort of, yeah. You want to fertilize grass in the springtime, springtime, early summer. This time of year, it's going to stay too green, and it's supposed to start slowing down for wintertime. So um, anyway, a rule of thumb, fertilize in the spring, and the plants will be able to have enough to make it till the next spring.
3: Okay, can I ask my question about sure. the tree? Sure, sure. Uh, we had a, a con tree snap off about 12 feet from the ground, um, and it, when it snapped, it split as well. So uh, I had a chainsaw, went ahead and cut the split out of it. Um, there was one set of forked limbs at the split that I was able to save. They're only about three feet long now, so the chair... I mean, the the tree looks kind of like a chair. It's got a seat where I cut the slope at the bottom of the split up to the top of the split. And then left the two... Uh, limbs. Is that thing going to grow back out or should I it, just
1: take the tree down? It, it'll sprout. This is uh, from a, uh, a tree surgeon point of view. This is called dehorning. When they cut a great big tree <laughs> way back like that, dehorning. And they will sprout out around the edge of your cuts. But now those are going to be, you're, you're going to have a lot of sprouts. And what you need to do if you want to try to save the tree is uh, this time next year, go out and thin out those sprouts, fr- or even any time next year, thin out the sprouts so they're just one or two that will become main limbs. Gotcha. And uh, but unfortunately, over the long haul, those wounds are probably not going to heal over because they heal from what about. what yeah the, uh, uh, food producing leaves moving down the limbs down the trunk what heal things over. And you got anything? And there's nothing above there to flow down to heal them over. So you're going so we'll like to end up eventually. They're going to decay. Put
3: out limbs low.
1: No, they're going to put out right where you make the cuts. Okay right right, right where you make your cuts, but the problem is those wounds are probably in the long run going to decay, and not but much I work. Just
3: cut it off smooth at the top with a little angle on it and start it, it over it again start from there. Mm-hmm.
1: How big around is this tree? About, it's uh can you put your arms around it just barely. Yeah, I I I would replace it. <laughs> I'd cut it really? off about about waist high and put you a nice little little tabletop on top of it and plant okay. you another tree because okay. it reju you know you can rejuvenate shrubs but trees it's really tough without getting some decay. Yeah, it's a big tree. Yeah, yeah. it's
3: probably a fifteen year old tree. Yeah,
1: the other thing is just you know get you a little concrete gnome or chicken or something put by and just use it as like a bonsai as a novelty thing and just let it do its thing. Yeah, I understand. We've got
3: so many trains for that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'd look like I was warped.
1: Yeah. Oh. Okay, well, well, good luck. So good much. luck on yeah. it. Uh-huh. All righty. Now, I guess I will have a little weekly rant here. Folks, triple triple 8, 688, those are agriculture fertilizers. They're not garden fertilizers. I know Mississippi State, when they test the soils, they recommend ammonium nitrate and 813 and 13. I know they do that, but I also know it's because their computer is programmed by Agriculture people, not garden people. And the truth is landscape plants need a longer lasting, slower, gentler, steady source of nitrogen. And the, a triple 13, AAA, triple they've got ammonium nitrate, which is great if you're a cotton farmer and know how to put a little bit of that, you know three pounds to a thousand square feet. Three pounds to a thousand square feet. That's a quart and a half for a thousand square feet. That's the maximum they recommend. It's better to go with a lawn or a tree or shrub fertilizer that got slow release type of nitrogen that lasts a long time rather than that big whoosh and a bunch of growth and then there's nothing. So I would, you're not going to find me recommending triple 13, triple 8, those kind of things, or ammonium nitrate for landscapes ever. Because I'm looking at it from the plant's point of view, they want a good, steady, long diet. They don't want a little piece of cracked rock stuck up their nose. And that's what ammonium nitrate does, sorry. It's a good product if you're a farmer or if you can measure stuff out, but not for the home garden. Let's stick with a slower urea-type fertilizer. The stuff they sell, I know it's more expensive, but it's better for your plants. Really. Uh, anyway, I would like to mention that when I was walking in this morning, I <laughs> had a fellow flag me down. I thought he was stealing stuff out of a truck. It turned out to be his his truck, and he's putting stuff in the back of it. Anyway, a guy named Stephen Flood, he's a friend of mine. He had me look at a neighbor's shrub while we're walking and talking, walking and talking. He had me look at a shrub. It's a Japanese holly. Japanese hollies look like boxwoods, uh, but they, you know, little small, round, dark green leaves. Uh, But one of them is starting to die out. It's nothing but plant or root rot. Japanese hollies are highly susceptible to root diseases from staying too wet, from being planted in tight soils up close to the foundation of a house. They're pretty the day they get put in, but sooner or later they start browning out from usually in the late summer or fall. It's nothing but root disease. You can try pruning them back. But you might want to think about replacing them, reworking the soil, raise it up a little bit, maybe even put something else out there. Love Japanese hollies, but I get a lot of calls about them browning out this time of year. So, uh, but anyway, I also picked up some uh, some foxtail grasses. I was walking on some what people call weed, little foxtail grasses, and I cut a handful because when I get home, I've got some zinnias I put in a pot. I grew some zinnias this year, put them in a little vase, little chunky looking things, pretty. But I'm gonna stick these. Foxtail grasses up in it, sort of like they're like fireworks coming out of it, and it makes the little bouquet look less chunky. It it uh, brings the eye down to the arrangement. So anytime you stick something tall like a a weird-looking branch or some grasses or anything long and slender in a flower arrangement, it just makes it look a little bit better. I'm going to be taking a week-long break. And then we're going to take another week break because we're not coming in next week. It's a holiday. Uh, but Job and I are working together to put together a special uh, Thanksgiving thing for next week. And uh, so even though we won't be live next week, we'll be here. And if you'd like to listen to any of these podcasts, go to mpbonline.org. Mississippi has one of the hottest, most popular locally produced programs in the country. You know, not many NPR programs have this, and we try to bring local stuff to local folks in real time. So that's what we do. That's what you know. We're here to serve people and have a good time. And I appreciate you joining this party today. Again, I'm Horticulturist Felder Rushing. I'll have pictures of these hot peppers and my little uh, trailing lantana on the uh, the podcast. Um, if you have a chance to to spend a holiday with some folks. Be careful, social distance, you know, you have to take your mask off to put stuffing in your mouth, but that's part of the game. Be careful, be safe, want to see you here next week, or the week after, the week after, the week after. If you get a chance over the weekend, take a kid to a garden center, get them a little sack of bulbs, and help them plant in the dirt so that they know the joys and pleasures of what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week.